Will and I have just an outrageously clear idea of what we want our lives to look like. And our business is so many things, but one of the things that it is, is a vehicle to get us to that type of a life. And when we have that clear of a picture of how we want to spend our time, what we want our marriage to look like, what kind of parents we want to be, what kind of friends we want to have, and what kind of friends we want to be to those friends, then it helps any type of distraction or roadblock that a business can potentially provide. Like we are able to get out in front of it before it becomes too big of a problem. Well, hey there. If we have not yet met, my name's Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. It was a couple weeks into starting this business, just about a year and a half ago now, uh, that I was down uh, on the beach in Galveston with my family, and I was spending that time working, and it was crazy. Just a couple weeks into starting the business, um, my my time had filled up, and and that was a big question mark in starting the business because I didn't get clients until I had left uh, my previous job at Ramsey Solutions, and so my time was full, and I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And one of the things that I was honestly initially really uh, frustrated and sad about was the fact that I had this plan and I had this vision for having growth groups where people who didn't want to work in a one-on-one capacity could connect with other impact-driven leaders. And because my time was now full, I just kind of came to this conclusion of, uh, okay, I guess we're not going to be able to do that. And it was in that moment that I kind of had this idea after a run that was either really bad or really good. I was like, well, what if someone else ran it? And and at first I was like, no, Alex, you can't do that two weeks into the business. And then I thought, well, why not? And I started to think about it and said, okay, well, maybe that's actually a viable option and said, who is the person that I would trust to facilitate and lead these types of intentional, growth-oriented, centered conversations with a group of high-caliber leaders. And there was one name on my mind. It was someone that I deeply trusted. It was someone that I looked up to as a friend, but it was also someone that I knew was an incredible business leader in their own right. I thought of my friend and now one of our team members, Olivia Graham. And I figured in calling Olivia, she was going to be like, Alex, I'm already running this business called Olive and Birch, where we do flowers for wedding events. And we're building this new digital product right now called the Bride Plan. And they were smack dab in the middle of that, her and her husband, Will. But I called her and I said, hey, Olivia, I've got this crazy idea. I haven't really fleshed it out yet, but here's my thought. And she, she said something to the effect of, oh my gosh, I'm so in. <laughs> I was like, really? You don't want to think about this? And she's like, no, this sounds awesome. I should probably talk to Will first, that Will's her husband. And so we should probably talk about it because sometimes you and I, Alex, can get carried away. But she said, I just thought this would be great. And what has transpired since that phone call over a year ago now has just been one of the greatest blessings for our business and has been one of the vehicles through which we've been able to work uh, with business leaders in such a powerful way. And so I'm so excited because today you get to hear from Olivia's perspective, from her insight, both in working with growth groups, but also as a mom, a wife, and an incredibly growth-oriented entrepreneur and leader. 
So I felt like a great place to start would be Olivia's entrepreneurial story. So I was on a sales call. So my role at uh, Ramsey Solutions is where I worked. Uh, was I was in sales and I was talking to one of our clients who had actually left their full-time thing to go start their own business. And like any good client relation, I was asking questions. That's awesome. How's it going? And they were telling me how they've completely filled their calendar in less than two weeks. I was like, that's amazing. How did you do that? So they told me long story short about this lead generation website that they had logged on to and I filled out an account so that I could look at the website in real time while I was talking to them. You had to say that you had a business to get into the website. So having just come back from one of my friend's weddings, I said I was a floral designer, which was absolutely not (laughs) true at all. I had never touched a flower. It's just the first thing that popped into my head. So then, okay, now hold on. You said you had never touched a flower. That feels like a little bit of an exaggeration. Okay, okay, okay. I, I had touched my own wedding bouquet when I had gotten married. We'll say that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You had never touched a flower for financial gain, is what right. we should say. I had no professional experience whatsoever. It was, it was literally just a fill in a box. So I was prepared to think nothing else of this. And I then started getting emails from this website, started getting leads for weddings here in Nashville. And as I said, like I was in sales and you can't leave leads in your inbox. Like you have to (laughs) reply to them. (laughs) So I replied to them and then I booked a wedding and I'm like, well, daggum, now I got (laughs) to do the flowers for someone's wedding. So long story short, did the wedding, got a five-star review. And I was like, this is really fun. I think I'm going to keep this up as a hobby. Long, long story short, which we can dive into a little bit more if you'd like. We reached this point where Will and I both were just really infatuated with the concept that money isn't the only currency, that time is a currency as well. And that Mm -hmm. when you work for somebody else, you don't have complete control over your time. And so we really both wanted to have our own business. And because flowers was something that I was just doing, it was the thing I had the most momentum with. And we said, well, you know what? Why don't we go all in and just try this as a full-time business? And now three years later, here we are, and it's our full-time business. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the genesis story as to how that all started. I love it. And, and the business is called All of Them Burst. And I think it's really important to kind of highlight for people, there's so much talked, especially in the space that we're in today, about calling, right? And that business, if you're in the right business, it's this thing that is just compelled out of you. And if you haven't been thinking about flowers since you were two years old, you shouldn't be in the flower business. But what I love about your story is that that isn't really the case. It wasn't like this long-term dream. It was just like, no, this feels like the natural right next step. Is that fair to say? Yes. And I absolutely love that you called that out because for a long time, I felt a lot of insecurity around the fact that I didn't feel like God put me on this earth to do X. And I've worked a lot at that over the past couple of years and realized, you know, we are called for a whole life and your job is just part of that life. And for us, flowers and having our own business was just a vehicle to give us the ability to honestly expand into other aspects of our lives that we couldn't while we were working a nine to five job. 
Mm, I think that's so true. One of the things that I really value about getting to have these types of conversations is getting to talk to people that have real life practical experience with the scrappy start of things, right? And and I, I mean, you, Kelly, Kelly Krieger, who's on our team now, Chris Prinevos, like I can list so many people, Jay Owen, who have been on this podcast that, I mean, you would characterize their first maybe year to two years of business, maybe even three years of business as extremely scrappy. But I think there's so many lessons that come from the scrappiness. So I love... I, I'd love for you to speak to what are maybe one or two of the greatest lessons that stood out from that that season where you were literally overlapping. I have this full-time job and I'm simultaneously trying to get this business off the ground and up and running. Hmm. So for me personally, when I was in that season, I knew from the moment I said, I want this to be my full-time thing, that I wanted it to be my full-time thing as soon as possible. And I've talked to a lot of people since then who have really struggled with almost the handoff of the baton between those two seasons. And the thing that I had to learn is you have to set a deadline for yourself. And Mm. so I, in June 2018, said June 2019 is when I'm leaving Ramsey Solutions. And so by doing that, by starting with the end in mind, which is a principle that applies to so many other things in business, I was able to then create a strategic plan for that year of what needed to be true in that first year. So it was almost like, yes, I had to be scrappy. You have to be scrappy about where you're getting your leads. You have to be scrappy about how your proposals look. You have to be scrappy about how you're actually doing the product. But you still need to approach the, we won't say problem, but the goal with like the kind of finesse that you would if you were in business for 10 years. And I think that that balance between the two is something that I really had to learn along with just taking care of yourself when something Mm. is so taking over every aspect of your life. Like it's okay for seasons to be like, I am not going to be connecting with certain friends because I have a goal that's ultimately going to get me to be able to connect with friends way more than I am in this current season. So it's almost like learning how to pull certain levers in your life to be able to get you to the next stage that you're wanting to, if that makes sense. Yeah. What is the biggest way that you think running or leading that business over the course of the past three years has grown you personally? Like, I think that's one of the coolest things that I've seen in launching this business and observing people who launch their own businesses is, yes, they're growing this thing externally that is an organization or it is an entity or enterprise. But then it's also like I look at myself and I'm a radically different man than I was a year and a half ago. And it's because I engaged in this task of building the business. So I'd love to know what are some of the biggest ways that you can directly relate to the building of the business that you've grown personally, Olivia? A couple of things come to mind. I think the art of patience has really been something, especially when you're building something yourself. Like, as I said, I worked at Ramsey Solutions and there is so many resources, so much behind that brand that we worked with, so much clout, so much just like infrastructure that has been built. And when you step out on your own and you realize that all of that is now gone, you have to be patient with how things are being built. And so 
that I've seen trickle into other areas of my life, like as a mother and as a wife and as a friend and just with anything I've learned that if you are truly like the energy behind anything that you like, if you are, you are the person driving something forward, then patience is key. But the second thing that came to mind is that I always have said this, but now I believe it with such certainty that any problem is solvable. Like I truly believe that. And if you believe in yourself, believe in your product, believe in your team enough, then you can solve any problem. And I've seen that happen in our own business over the past three years a number of times. What's an example of that that you've encountered where it was a problem that maybe even at the outset appeared unsurmountable or even unsolvable, but then you've grown in confidence and maybe even faith because you and Will and your team have collectively been able to get around it? Okay. (laughs) Well, there's an obvious answer to me to that question. So we work in events and all events got shut down for two months in 2020, right? And so I'm sitting there watching the news, seeing that everything has to get canceled and thinking to myself, well, that's over half of our business's annual revenue that's about to get postponed to a different year. Like how yeah, and it was in a busy season too, oh, correct? It's yes. not like it was a light wedding season that just no. got canceled. <laughs> no, yes. <laughs> it's like, okay, this would have been lovely had this happened in January, but it's happening in the middle <laughs> well, of... Well, <laughs> I don't know that I would say it would have been lovely, but it would have been lovelier <laughs> is what I would say. As lovely it, as a global pandemic possibly can be, if it had happened in January, that would have been ideal. That's but, right. That's right. Okay, and how, <laughs> just for context too, how far into leaving for full time were you into things at that point? So goodness, this was coming up on our two year anniversary. This is actually not true. Oh my goodness, I'm doing the math. It's coming up on our one year anniversary. I was about to say, that seemed like, yeah. No. I I did so okay, so you've been in business for one year full time. And then how old was Noah at that time? He was four months old. Okay, so you've got a four-month-year-old kid at home. It's it's you and Will building this business, and you've left to go full-time. You burned the bridges behind you, <laughs> and then you find out that most of your – you know most of your revenue is coming from events, and then you find out all events canceled for the foreseeable future. What What does that do to you mentally in that moment? Well, if I'm being honest, at the at the beginning, I panicked. I had this moment where I'm looking at my son who he needs us to provide for him. I'm looking at my husband and and the amount of strain that that could have put on us but didn't, I'm just so thankful for. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, and I literally only thought this for one minute. I thought, well, all those naysayers who said I shouldn't have left that security, they were right. Like I had a second like that. But I'm so thankful because, first of all, they weren't right. And second of all, I had just the most amazing community of people, you at the top of the list, who just rallied around us in that in that time and just got really tactical and solution-oriented. And because of that, we were able to get through those first few weeks that were really scary and realize like, you know what, this is actually okay. But at first, not at all. Like it was really, really scary. Mm. What is the advice that you would give to people? Because whether it was that specific scenario or 
a, a different type of scenario. I kind of love that Jordan Peterson analogy that we talked about at the retreat, that it's like, if you're talking about Noah's Ark, it's like, certainly that's, that's a lecture about Noah and the Ark, but it's also a topic about you because your flood is coming, right? And it's like, when you describe like that moment of like, oh my gosh, we just lost all revenue. It's like, our flood has arrived. And, and the question is not, will the flood come? The question is, will you or will you have not built an ark? So what advice would you give to people with regard to building an ark so that you're not necessarily planning for crisis because you can totally plan for it, but you're prepared for when it gets here? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's hard because you don't want to be the type of person who's like, crisis is right around the corner. But honestly, <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot. He says... If you're not currently in a storm right now, then you should like, great, that's wonderful. But your storm is coming. Like that's inevitable. And so as you're asking these questions, I'm reflecting back and I'm thinking to myself, what if I had had to suddenly rally a bunch of people who had no context as to who I was and what the business was like and what Will and I's marriage was like and fill them in on all of that while the crisis is happening so that I could then talk to them about the crisis. And Mm -hmm. so I think something that, you need to do for a number of reasons. But one of the reasons is you need to have a group of people who understand you and understand where you're coming from and get your context and get your personality who are there for all the good times. But then what happens when those few hard times come and you just need them to get it so that they can be there to help you through it? And so I think that that's one thing that I would say everybody needs, whether you're in business or not, but everybody needs those people who just get it. Mm, yeah, I think that's so good. I, uh, he's one of the Ramsey personalities. Now, one of the things that John Deloney talks about is just the idea that like relationships are a type of emergency fund. Mm-hmm. And I, I just love that because it takes that personal financial language that we're also familiar with. And it says like, what's the thing you're going to be able to lean on and, and I think y'all did such an effective job of leaning into that and leaning on that. So looking at that season, what was the biggest takeaway with regard to business from that season being the COVID crisis and then getting over that hump that you look at and you say, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, but at the same time, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world because of what it gave me. What's the lesson you would take away or what's the gym that you would take from that season, Olivia? So during that time, you were you were uh, doing a bunch of interviews with Entree Leadership at the time with Seth Godin's and Michael Hyatt's, and uh, you had one with Brian Miles. And I'll never forget this. He was talking about how there's two types of people right now. The first type of people are the people who weren't prepared for this, and they're in the red. And they need to be doing everything they can be doing to keep the lights on. And then there's a second type of person who can kind of wade the storm out. They have enough retained earnings. They have enough revenue coming in from other ways that maybe it's not their number one thing, but they, they're, able to, they're able to make it work. And if you're that second type of person, then you just got yourself all this time that you wish you had had to do that thing you always wish you were able to do, but couldn't. And you came over for dinner that night on that exact day And I remember talking to you about that specific interview and then us establishing like we're good short term, we're good long term, we're a little unsure of the middle of the ground term. But as far as those two in the red or you have by yourself time, which one are you? And we were like, we were the second one. 
And so then because of that, you know, going back to different types of currencies, we had more time, but we had way less mobility. And so we were able to work almost when we wanted, but not from wherever we wanted, because we kind of had put ourselves in Nashville event (laughs) industry. And so to, to go back to all these things Will and I dream about all the time, we were like, we've always wanted to have a digital product. And so what we ended up doing in that time is pivoting and creating this product called the Bride Plan, which we can get into exactly what that product is. But essentially, because we had this time to ramp up and create that product, which ended up taking way more than six weeks, it took us like a year to do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it let us start. It made us have this huge pivot, which now, I mean, I'll kind of give this away. We're selling Olive and Birch and switching to being the bride plan full time starting in January, which is really exciting. All because the whole world shut down and we were given that time. Yes. Oh my gosh. I just get, uh, you heard it here first, maybe, right? (laughs) Uh, This is such a, and also if you're interested in buying a a wedding at floral design company, (laughs) I'm sure Olivia would love to talk to you. But that's such a huge thing that number one, you've built all of Birch to such a degree that you're able to do that. But then also I just think of that idea of like, crisis can either crush you or it can recreate you. Yes. And, and it's like, there's, There's so much, and I think of this through the lens of sports and athletics, which I know you're familiar with too. It's like, there's so much value that can come from pressure and urgency. And and so what was it about y'all's conversations, you and Will particularly, because y'all are really the decision makers in the business at that time. Like, what was it about y'all's conversations that made it to where you didn't just allow crisis to crush you, but it truly did recreate you and you ended up on the backside of this now with something that's incredibly new that you're deeply passionate about and that probably has more scalability and legs than just doing what you were doing before? I mean, it goes back to what I said earlier. It's, is everything an opportunity or isn't it? Like, if you just believe that everything is solvable, that everything's an opportunity, then you're going to reinvent yourself when crisis hits. And I believe this is Stephen Covey. I think this is in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, but he talks about how there's always a third option. So, so much of the time, you think I either have a business or, or, you know, it's getting crushed by a pandemic. Let's say that. But there's no, there's a third option always in there if you're willing to sit, sit in the silence, take a deep breath, and honestly approach it with that creative, free, fun problem solving that all business owners have before they get in the weeds of things. Like I think when all of a sudden everything becomes PLs and putting proposals out and managing team members, sometimes it's hard to keep a hold of that free creative spirit that you have that can solve any problem. And I think that that's where Will and I really like got ourselves to is this is an opportunity. There is something here. We can get through this, but what is the third option? We just have to find it. Mm. Yeah. And I love that you highlight the fact that it was you and Will collaborating together. I, I think I have coincided with so many married couples now that lead businesses together and um, I've seen people do it in a really healthy way. And I've also seen the exact opposite of that. <laughs> and uh, and I, I will just say, like, the thing that stands out about you and Will is it just seems like you're enjoying yourselves. 
Mm. And, and that isn't true for everyone that I see that's married and running a business. And so one of the things that I wanted to ask in this section is what do you think are some of the things y'all tactically did that made it to where it didn't become this insufferable thing to work so closely together and live together and raise a child together, but rather it's something that you actually enjoy all three of those arenas. What are some of the like specific practices that you've engaged in that have created that result? So just like in business, you have to have vision, mission, values. I think you need the same in your life. Mm. And Will and I have just an outrageously clear idea of what we want our lives to look like. And our business is in so many ways, our business is so many things, but one of the things that it is, is a vehicle to get us to that type of a life. And when we have that clear of a picture of how we want to spend our time, what we want our marriage to look like, what kind of parents we want to be, what kind of friends we want to have, and what kind of friends we want to be to those friends, then it helps any type of distraction or roadblock that a business can potentially provide. Like we are able to get out in front of it before it becomes too big of a problem. So Mm. I think that that is like the number one thing. And then tactically, we do all sorts of little rhythms that we're constantly tweaking and trying to figure out. But (laughs) I think that having a really clear picture of what your life needs to look like with your spouse is necessary, period. And also, especially if you work with them. Mm. I I think uh, that topic of time is really, really valuable. And that's one of the reasons why I like talking to people who have gone through the scrappy start, because if you're going to build a business from the ground up, you don't have the luxury of not being intentional with your time. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I love with regard to just getting to hang out with you and Will is that I find people that are hyper intentional with their time, but by being around you two, I don't find myself getting more stressed out. Like there's time, <laughs> which is a positive thing. That You should take that as a very big compliment. Are you around people who are intentional with their time that do stress you out? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think you would say that too, right? Where like all I think of is like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing enough because like uh, this person has yes. like color-coded everything and they live in the label maker and they have a calendar for every hour of their life. And it's just like everything. And it's so like, they've got every 10 minutes planned out. And I, it's so funny because sometimes I'll talk to people and I think people have that perception of me and that's not me at all. Right. Like I, (laughs) the reason why I talk so much about habits is because I'm so undisciplined. If I'm not careful to just all get away from me. But can you speak to like what it looks like to apply intentionality to your time in a healthy way? So this is something that I'm constantly tweaking. Like I I think if you talk to me, if we talked long enough, you'd hear that I'm constantly tinkering with my time. Yeah. And and that's just something I personally like doing. I, I think that... I hear what you're saying with the color coding and all of that is that you almost feel like there's a standard. And if you're not hitting that standard, then you're doing it wrong. That's not true. You need to figure out like, what's your end game? And then figure out your path to get there that best suits you. We were talking about this in office hours the other day where it's like everyone was talking about their morning routine. Okay, well, maybe for you, your morning routine starts at 730. And that's okay. You know, you're tinkering with the specifics. But for me, I would say, I start with my roles. Okay, so roles would be for me, I'm a business owner, I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm an individual, 
So I count. I'm a friend. I'm a neighbor. I'm a community member. And I think to myself, okay, what's a 10 out of 10 in all of those roles? And I can't hit all of them all the time. That's okay. But at least I know what ultimate success to me looks like in all of those aspects of my life. And then from there, I think about, okay, my, my time is finite. What are my priorities? And so something that I think I've told you is like, I am not going to restrict myself to any man-made concept of time. So just because everybody else works eight to five, I'm going to work nine to three. And that's okay. Oh my gosh. Uh, that's so, yeah. that, uh, I, I'm so glad you're sharing this right now because that was so freeing for me. I think you told me that probably around the five or six week mark into me leaving to start my business full time. And up to that point, I was always working past five and still feeling guilty because there was more to do. And then you just told me that you do that. And I was like, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> why, why am I? I was like, I'll just work till three because I can yes. do that, right? There's and, always more to do. There's always more to do. That's right. Well, and it's just like, what do you want, right? Maybe maybe mm-hmm. there's a season where you want to work till six, but totally. it's like, because you, you've got this like random expectation in the back of your head that no one's actually voicing of you because you're, you own and lead this thing. It's like, where does that come from? And why do you have to submit to something that isn't actually real? Yes. We talked about this. Uh, there's this gentleman at one of my growth groups, he works in taxes, which to me, I'm just like, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so glad I would never want to do that. That gets your gears going. But during tax He's very season, good at it too. He's, he's actually very on. good at it. He's very good at it. But he was talking about during tax season, you know, he's working from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. And that's what all CPAs do, right? That's the standard. But something that he's talking about is like, I don't want to hit the standard. That's not me next tax season. Next tax season, I'm home having dinner with my family. And so I think that something that I'm like the, the original question you asked was, what do I do with my time? I'm constantly defining what's the standard and then saying, but what do I want from my life? Something that, uh, like uh, one of my core values is CEO of my own life. And so I get to define what my standards are. And I think that when we are constantly ha- making choices and decisions and suddenly we have this business that's way bigger than maybe we ever thought that it would be, we forget that you at any moment can choose when it's time to have a refresh and re- redefine what your standards are. And so I think that that's where my tinkering always is coming to play. That's right. And because I know that if I don't actually define that, then uh, it will be defined by outside expectations and opinions and outside, like you, you will have a standard. The question is, are you setting it or is someone else? And, but also it's not even just what do I want for my time, for my life, for my business is what is God calling me to? And I just don't believe that we serve a God who's really, really thrilled when we're spending 6 a.m. to 12 a.m. at night working and we're neglecting all of these other priorities that he's given us to steward. I just don't think that's him. I don't think that's biblical, right? And so it's like, what are you called to do? You're called to take care of and disciple yourself. You're called to take care of your family. And then this business is just an extension of those things that you're called to steward in a way that is healthy and life-giving and serving others. 
But yeah. um, I love that you use the example of Clint, which he's our CPA as well. And I would recommend him <laughs> to anyone. And he's a growth group member. Clint and I always joke about like, he wears the friend hat with me. He wears the CPA hat with me. And he wears the growth group member hat with me. I just love the guy. We need to send him a box with all those hats in it. That's that right. Wonderful. I, I just admire Clint so much though, because I have talked with CPAs before who would tell you, I, I can't go home before 10 p.m. during tax season. Says they who? Say, yeah. yeah ex- exactly. Says them. And it's like, well, because you say that, you are absolutely right. But what does it look like to have the audacity, like Clint Herndon is doing, to say, like, I, I, I'm i going to believe that I can, and therefore I'm going to try. Yes. You know? And I just, like, that gets me so fired up. And it may not happen next year. It may be two years from now. I hope it happens next year. But, but just the fact that he's got an aim, I think, does things. I mean, mm. is that fair to say? Yeah, and I love that you said audacity. Something that you said at the the Path for Growth Retreat is that we can't live in passivity. We have to be on the toes of our mind to have the audacity to be on offense in our lives. And I think that Clint is a great example of living on the toes of his mind and having the audacity to be on offense because he, I mean, this next tax season is going to look radically different for him than it did last year or the year before that. And I mean, five years from now, if he continues on that pace of offense, again, it's like thinking about yourself, not in months, but in years, like, what am I doing now? That's going to affect me five years from now. Clint has a dream of living in Hawaii and he's on the track for that, you know? And (laughs) I think that, something that we say at Path for Growth is business is what we do, not who we are. And don't get me wrong. Business is fun. I love working in the business. I love solving creative problems. I love working with clients. But if we just allow it to become our identities, then that's when all of a sudden it becomes this thing that's happening to us in a lot of ways. And I think that we just have to constantly be reminding ourselves that that's not the case. That's right. And and I think the worthwhile aims are ones that by nature are going to take time and they're not going to be easy. Yes. And and so I think what that should give all of us is just a sense of, like you said, uh, deep-seated patience, but also deep-seated grace for ourselves to recognize that, okay, if I wanted something easy, I would have signed up for a 5K, right? (laughs) Or I would have signed up for a fun run. I didn't do that. I decided to start my own business. And so it's not going to be up into the right. It's going to look way more ridiculous than that. And and that's kind of the point. Mm. Yes, I agree. 100%. But that's where you need, that's where we go back to the community piece. Like when it's not, it's fun a lot of the time, but when it's not fun, who are the people reminding you why you got into it in the first place? Mm. How do you and Will discern who the closest relationships in your life are? I've never asked you this question. I'm just thankful I'm one of them. (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) how do y'all discern who has that seat at the table that it's not just a peripheral friend that you enjoy spending time with, but it's one of those friends that you're like, man, we're going to be deeply intentional about making time with these people. Okay. So my closest friends, I would say the the types of things that go into my closest friends are they give as much as they take. So, you know, there's some people in your lives where you're okay kind of being the mentor, pouring into them, but that can't be the people closest to you. you everybody needs to be a Timothy and a Paul. And what that means is you need to give and receive at equal amounts. So that's thing number one. And then 
The second one would probably be like being like-minded. So I love, love, love people who have opposing opinions and are open for discussion about things that I don't necessarily agree with. But I think that your closest friends on the most fundamental issues need to be like-minded is my personal opinion. And then the Mm -hmm. third thing is I think that there's an element of positivity. So I don't want people closest to me telling me all the reasons why something's not going to work. I want them to challenge me. Absolutely. I want them to push back on me, especially if I'm not living in alignment with who God calls me to be. But I don't want people who are closest to me telling me all the reasons why my dreams are going to fall short or why maybe I should take an easier road. Like I want those kinds of people in the arena with me. Mm almost picking up a sword alongside me and saying, we got this. And so I think that those three things are probably the makeup when I'm thinking about you and then the five or so other people who are closest to us, they all have that in common. Mm. What does that combination of qualities do for your business? The fact that you have people that are not involved in your business on the outside, what does that do for your business on the inside? I mean, it breathes life into it. I mean, I think that we are not designed to live in isolation. We are designed to live in community, right? And so as business owners, we're the life force of our businesses. So let's play this out. If I have friends who are on a consistent basis breathing life into me through their support, their encouragement, just their presence, honestly, then I am a fuller, happier person. And what is that going to do for the things I spend most of my time in? It's going to make it fuller. It's going to make it richer. You can't, you've said this recently, the more you lead, the more you need right? I view my friends as one of those things that's giving to me so that I can give to others and vice versa. I hope I'm giving to my friends as well, but you can't do it in in isolation. And so I think that that's what it's doing for my business. Yeah. I I love the idea of life giving. One of kind of the most early visions that I had for Path for Growth Coaching was, okay, I, I don't know exactly the how of all of it, but I know what. I want people to be able to apply Path for Growth principles, what we're talking about on on this podcast and in the workshops we do and things like that, I want them to be able to apply it in the context of life-giving relationship. Mm -hmm. And, um, and ultimately it's like relationship is one of those things that is uniquely life-giving. I think I, I just, you don't hear about many people saying, Oh, I watched six episodes of the office for the fourth time in a row. And I just have so much of life that I'm bringing into my business. I'm so creative and I'm so (laughs) on top of the world. (laughs) That's right. But I can say, oh man, I spent three hours with those people without my phone in the room. And we had eye to eye conversation that might not have been about anything. We might not talked about anything that's massive or profound, or we might have just like shooting the breeze, right? And uh, and you can leave saying that was really life giving, and yeah. so I, I and I think that's a lost art. I read in a book this week one of the best things you can do for yourself is have a two to three hour dinner with a group of friends once a week, and I was like, mm. that's just not ingrained in our culture. That's ingrained in a lot of other places. And I was thinking, like, how often do I think I actually hit that mark? Probably more often than most, 
but not as often as once a week. And you're exactly right. Like the times that you leave a place where you've had genuine, deep, good conversation, you feel elated. You feel so ready to conquer the world's problems the next day. I don't know what it is, but it's just like, it's that buzzy energy that comes with good conversation, good ideas, and just knowing you're with people who build you up rather than tear you down. That's right. I, uh, have you watched The Chosen? We haven't talked about this yet. Have you watched no, that show? No, what is that? No. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. It. Oh gosh. I, I was telling someone the other day, I'm like, every episode, there's tears in my eyes. And oh. uh, that's not even true. <laughs> the tears aren't in my eyes. They're right in my face. So it's oh my gosh, Olivia. It's it's amazing. It's so it's this drama about the life of Jesus and the disciples. And it's just so well done. I get chills talking mm. about it. It's just so well done. And even if you're not, uh, even if you don't believe what we believe, like I would tell you, most historians today agree that you cannot, with intellectual honesty, think that Jesus wasn't a person. So whether he was the savior of the universe or not, I think we can have great discussions about, but he was a person, right? Historically, he did exist. And therefore, he's a person we're studying because he was outrageously influential, right? Billions of people still look to him as a model of good living. And one of the things that has just struck me in the first four episodes of this show is that it almost seems like every time you see the guy, he's eating something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's kind of like, uh, what is that movie? I think it's uh, Ocean's Eleven, where in every scene, Matt Damon has something that he's mm-hmm. eating. It's like, that's Jesus, you know? But it's it's uh, I love that idea of breaking bread together. And, and it almost seems as though we could have nothing else in common. We may have nothing else in common, but the one thing we do have in common is we like food. And so we can at least do that together. And, and I think it changed the dynamic of a room. Wouldn't you say so? I agree. Okay. I have a question for you. So I've had this conversation with enough people, this conversation about friendship that I know that it's not uncommon for people to say, okay, that's really great that you have friends, but it's kind of, I don't feel like I have that. Mm. So my question to you, because I know that you're somebody who has a really great group of people that you would call dear friends. Tactically, what do you tell somebody who's in a place, either they've moved somewhere new or they're looking to re-engage with people on making friends? Mm. I I really appreciate that question. And I want to hear your answer to this too, specifically, not as much with moving around from your perspective, but being in community. So I'd love to hear your answer on that. But it was so interesting. And I'm sure you're thinking about this too. At the retreat, um, we ended up spending an inordinate amount of time on this topic. Uh, I was not anticipating it, but it was this fascinating group-led discussion about what does it look like to build adult friendships with like-minded people that are actually life-giving for you as a person, as a leader, and as a business. And and it was just this incredible discussion, raw, open, vulnerable, oh, so powerful. And it was just shocking to me how many of the people that were part of the group that week would say that human connection was a deficiency in their life. (laughs) And I was thinking about that And I realized, well, man, I shouldn't really expect that the people that we recruit for Path for Growth are going to look that much radically different than I do. 
right? In terms of what they're good at, what they're bad at, what they love, what they're passionate about, what their weaknesses are. Like they listen to this podcast, they respond to this podcast, hopefully because they respond to me and therefore they want to be a part of our community. And I'm so grateful for that. But it's like, it was just this massive look in the mirror to say like, this is not just a thing they're not great at naturally. This is a thing that I'm not great at naturally. This is a weakness for me. Hmm. And and it is something that I've had to work really hard on. I think you and Will have helped me so much. But the biggest thing I would say is, and we're actually recording a podcast episode on this right now, but it was a decision to practice presence with people that I made a decision that I didn't need to impress anymore. Hmm. And that like, I there was a lot of stuff that had to get burnt off of me to get to the point where I could literally relax around people because I think prior to making that decision, I would be someone that always had to perform for people. And as a result, I was putting up with this mask and the mask was connecting with people, but I I wasn't. And it just, um, it was a gut-wrenching season for me to learn that, and I'm still learning it, but recognizing that you can show up as you are. Maybe you're having a good day. Maybe you're having a bad day. Maybe you're somewhere in between. Maybe you don't know what you're feeling, but to show up like that and to just be there. And and like I said, leave your phone in the car and just say, I'm not going to hide from this. I'm going to engage with this. And this isn't a sign that I can't hang out with people. This is probably the sign that I need to hang out with people more than any other time. And so that would be the biggest thing that has stood out to me is to practice presence without the need to impress people. That's so good. I love that you said, I decided. Because I think so often we put ourselves in, we're good at this or we're not. And it's like, no. Even if you identify that you're not good at something, you can decide at any given moment that you're going to be. And then like a few minutes later, you're like, and I'm still practicing it. So it's such a great example of how you get to decide what kind of life, what kind of person you want to be. You just have to start. So that's that right. really good. Well, and it ties into the idea of leadership too. And I, I think y'all have set such an example in this arena for me, you and Will have, in that I think leadership in the context of business is something that is a strength for me. I think leadership in other contexts is not necessarily a strength for me. And it's just, I'll never forget the, the, gosh, I think it was the first year I was at Ramsey. The Christmas party that year was amazing as always. And and I'm just so grateful for that organization just because it, it mm. gave me the opportunity to do amazing work, learn so much and meet people like you. But that Christmas party, they gave us $1,000 to Costco. And uh, and I remember, I think it was your idea. And if it wasn't your idea, you were the one that actually acted on the idea because it was basically like <laughs> this discussion right. of like, you can only get, you can only get so many pretzels filled with peanut butter. Like we don't want to buy a thousand dollars. Like some people were buying vacuum cleaners and remote trash kits. Like we don't need that. And then we found out Costco had travel packages and like this idea was thrown out within a group of us of like, well, what if we went to Mexico together? 
And like, it was an idea that everyone was like, oh, that's fun. But you and Will like pushed for it. You like took the lead and made it happen. And then we ended up going another time uh, the next year as well. And it's just, I look at that time and I'm still so close to those people. Not necessarily like we talk every week, but I just still, there's something that happened because y'all took the lead on making that shared experience happen. And I don't know that that shared experience would have happened if y'all hadn't decided to make it happen. And so can you, I mean, cause that's kind of in y'all's MO is shared experience in, in the arena of we're going to go on trips together with people we like. Can you speak to like where that comes from? And then also what makes those trips really valuable? Do you think? Yeah. Uh, before I jump into that question, I'll just say this experience over things every day. Like I'm not kidding you. A year later, or even maybe six months later, if you ask somebody who was at Costco what they bought, I'm, I think 50% of people couldn't tell you. But we're still talking <laughs> about this Mexico trip. We went to later. Mexico. <laughs> if you talk to anyone from that trip about Jose Cuervo, we're going to have they- stories for days. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, goodness. Okay. Anyways, so <laughs> I think that I <sighs> – I think I'm good at very few things, but for some reason, experiences is something that I think that I am good at. And the reason is because I've now just had enough examples of how if you put anyone, it doesn't matter who, it could be people on polar opposites of a political spectrum, polar opposites of a religious spectrum, polar opposites of anything. If you put them in a room and they have a shared experience that they have a positive interaction with, they are going to be friends in some form or fashion. It's just it's just a given. And so one of my biggest things with people who say that they don't have close friends, I say, okay, well, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, well, You know, I invite them over and we sit and we talk. Okay, that's awesome. Okay, add an experience to it because that is what gets people coming back. I've seen it happen too many times. And the reason that my husband and I The the thought process that I think of, I'm sorry to cut you off, but the thought process that I think of with regard to that is the gingerbread house competition (laughs) that y'all hold at Christmas, which I'm pretty sure I'm undefeated on, by the way. Um, (laughs) But uh, like that's that's another thing where it's like that you hold a Christmas party party every year with a group of probably like 15 to 20 people. And it's like, there's something like the gingerbread house competition that quite frankly, the first time I showed up, I was like, are we really doing this? This is so freaking cheesy. And then literally you say go. And it's like, I have blinders on to the rest of the world. Everyone lost their minds. (laughs) 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 But it doesn't have to be a trip to Mexico or a gingerbread house making competition. It's like, I love having people over to make s'mores, like something that's just like, okay, we're making s'mores, but they're going to be slightly different than a usual s'more. We're going to have interesting toppings. Like it's just something that gets people's hands moving, distracts them almost in a way and allows some of the walls to come down ever so slightly, that is when friendships start being made. But the the reason I love trips is because this is my second thing that I think, so you need something to do and it needs to be done consistently. Those are the two things that make up friendships. And so the thing that I love about trips, and my husband would say this 100%, is that you get like three months worth of hangout time in a five-day period. Like you get past fact and cliche so quickly when you're on a trip. And so then it's like, okay, well, we've already talked about what I do. 
We've already talked about how many kids I have. We've already talked about how I met my husband. So I guess we're going to have to start talking about opinions and ideas. And then maybe I'll get a little vulnerable on the end of day four. Like, I don't know. And so don't, I want people listening to this to not hear it needs to be extravagant and I need to be going on trips with people. What you need to hear is what are things I can do with people and how can I do it on a consistent basis? If you do that, you will make friends. That's right. Can you explain how that is an act of leadership? Oh, I think every person on the planet wants friends, but you're more often than not either going to say you're too busy, you're too shy, you're whatever the reason is. Like that's people kind of go down that path. And in the same breath, everybody wants to be asked to be a friend. Like we we kind of had this thing at the retreat where it was like, it was so easy when we were five. Like you just walk up on the playground and you would say, hey, do you want to be my friend? And then all of a sudden you're friends for the rest of fifth grade. Like that's that's awesome. Adults are like that too. It's just not in the same words. And so I think by being brave enough, by being bold enough to say, I'm going to take the lead on this and risk being vulnerable, risk being rejected, risk all these potential things that could go wrong, then you are leading because you're going where other people are afraid to go. And you're providing things that we've all already defined everyone needs. Everyone needs community. Everyone needs people next to them when they're weathering a storm. Everyone needs people to bounce creative ideas off of. Okay, but how are you going to get that if no one starts it? So by being the person that starts it, one, you're going to get a lot out of it. But two, think about the impact that that's making. Think about then how that's going to impact those people who are going to impact other people who are going to impact other people. I mean, it's just an outrageously good use of time, in my opinion, to be the person that starts it. That's right. I think that is so at the core of what it means to practice healthy growth, because I think so often we all buy into the idea of, oh, the area where you most need to grow is the area where you're most uncomfortable. And we can take that if you are a person that your natural disposition is to think about work and business. And we can take that and we can say, well, I was thinking about 5Xing in three years. Now I need to 20X in three years because that'll make me really uncomfortable. And it's like, no, that'll just make you miserable. Like that's <laughs> not the right type of uncomfortable. It's like the area where you need to go is maybe not even 5X, maybe you 3X. And this is like heresy to some people, right? But maybe you 3X your business or maybe you maintain your business and make it healthier and stronger on the inside and use that extra energy, that extra time and extra passion to go do the uncomfortable work of building relationships that really matter. Mm. And man, I can talk passionately about this because like this is the area that I am most prone to avoid, right? And and it's why I like hanging around people like you because you and Will have just prioritized it. It's it's just one of those things that y'all make happen and I've seen the gift that it has been to the people that are your friends, me being one of them, but then also the other people that we get to hang out with. And I'm just so inspired by it. It's like, I want to provide that for other people. Well, can I just pause you really quick? Because I think that you're talking to me now after years of counseling, years of self-growth, years of self-discovery. I am the type of person who wants to 20X my business. I'm the person that 
chased outrageous sales goals and used to idolize business productivity. And through the course of a long period of just like turning inward and having to grow spiritually and emotionally, and I've just realized that exactly what you said, those things do not provide ultimate healthy growth. And also, you don't need to be this like frou-frou-feely kind of person to want these things. Like if this feels uncomfortable for you, like if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, that's great listening to her talk about it, but you know, relationships are really hard for me. Well, we can all, all agree relationships are important. So how can you reframe how you're thinking about it to make it easier? Like, is there a way to tactically define how you're operating in a friend group? I've done that plenty of times where it's like, okay, for right now, this feels really inorganic. So how I'm going to measure this is I'm going to say twice a week, I have to hang out with people and I've hit that mark. If you do something for twice a week, for six months, eventually you're going to start feeling it. And eventually it's going to be different. But if you're right here right now feeling like that's not you, then just make, then just think about it like that is kind of how I say you need to start. The thing is starting. You just got to get out of the gate. That's right. And I love that you highlight the fact that you weren't necessarily born that way, just able to to do that, right? And that it was a natural gift or natural strength. And and I think so many of the people we're talking to like have come to that hard realization that you were kind of de- describing that growth for the sake of growth is dead. Like if you are just growing your business to grow your business, that is like it creates death. It makes you a person that is toxic and eroding internally. But if you're growing for a greater, grander, bigger purpose, like that creates life. And what I would like you to talk about is with regard to you making that transition, and I think it's a daily decision, but there certainly is kind of one of those lines in the sand moment where we all say, okay, why am I actually doing this? What is the role that the gospel plays in that mindset shift for you, Olivia? Oh, there's so much to unpack there. I'm trying to think about where to start. I think I need to give a little bit of context. So I became a Christian when I was 18 years old, heading off to college. And I grew up in a very emotionally abusive household. And we can talk more in depth about that if you'd like. But we'll just start by like, I came from a very toxic environment. And so it wasn't until I started hearing the truth that is the gospel, that it even occurred to me that I was loved for who I was, not what I did. Like it didn't even occur to me. And it took a long time for that to become a truth. And so it was around when I got engaged and I realized, okay, this thing is, this is going to happen. I'm going to get married. And I was coming from a long line of divorce. Like I have a huge family and I don't think a single person in my entire family stayed married. And so Again, taking, I, I, I identified as somebody who was emotionally unhealthy, probably going to get a divorce, but I took what I also identified in myself. I'm goal-oriented and I'm tactical. So how can I take what I identify as that I'm good at to help the things that I'm currently viewing as weaknesses? So I was like, I am going to figure this out, even though I can't emotionally decide that like I, I, or reconcile that. And between getting a really amazing mentor, getting into counseling, and having people who I viewed as incredibly godly influences started reframing a lot of that mindset. So I feel like that's super important context because if you don't know that, then nothing else really makes sense because 
I think that when I hear the truth of the gospel and I am so sick, like ridden with the sickness that I am what I do and I hear the truth that is you are loved just because you are who you are, then that just like stops me in my tracks. Like to this day, like I'm right now getting kind of misty eyed thinking about it because I'm, I don't on a daily basis reflect on who I was versus who I am. And the only difference between who I was versus who I am is Jesus Christ. Mm. And so I think that a lot of what I do, being a growth group leader, running a business, being a mother, being a wife, like I'm so fueled by, I was once and still sometimes on unhealthy days, drowning in a false state. And whenever I get a whiff that someone else is kind of like that, I'm like, I have to fight for you (laughs) and you have to know the truth of Jesus. (laughs) So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's where my mind goes when you ask that. No, I think that's probably the most beautiful and real way to answer that question. So I think that's, yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. And what's amazing is that I think that is one of the distinguishing factors of people that have deeply internalized the gospel is that they are more able to confidently speak about their vulnerabilities and weaknesses. Mm, Uh, Yes. Because it truly is, if this is about me, then I'm not able to talk about where I'm vulnerable and weak and uh, exposed and not strong. But if this is about the power and life and victory of Jesus Christ, then let's talk about those (laughs) all day long because it's just like we get to boast in Him. Yes, Um, there's this this quote I love. Oh my goodness, I, I... you think about getting very few things tattooed, but this is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that should be one of our other questions is what else do you think of getting tattooed? <laughs> uh, uh, that can be during the podcast where we talk about all the Jose Cuervo conversations. Okay, that that'll, be the, that'll be podcast, <laughs> Path for Growth After Dark. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I love it. Perfect. Uh, the, the quote is, the only thing I contribute to salvation is the sin that requires it. Mm. And... I just think about like the more confident that you get with what the gospel is, the more confident you get with who you are as a broken person that you kind of like want to share it. You're like, let me show you all my scars. Let me tell you all my insecurities. Let me let me express all my vulnerabilities because it's it's ammo. Like it's so powerful when it's then paired with the boldness and amazing truth that is the gospel. You mm-hmm. know, so I 100% agree with what you just said. And that's one of those things that really should, for the people that come from the same faith background as us, it really should be a bridge towards genuine human connection because, you know, people always say, oh, well, we don't have anything in common. I don't know that that's true because I would say, like, I'm an incredibly weak, flawed, fallible human being. And the good thing is, is so are all of you. So at least we have that in common. And then, like, if you you put Jesus Christ into the mix, it's like we also have him in common. And, and then you can say, like, I'm literally your brother or sister in Christ because we have these things in common. And it's like, man, I just think we're missing it if we're not trying to build those types of connections. Absolutely. We could spend a very long time on that topic in general, but we're not going to make the entire podcast about that. You alluded a little bit to the fact that you do lead uh, our growth groups at Path for Growth. You've been our single growth group coach since the beginning. 
and I, I think I've told you this story before, but it was literally a couple weeks into starting the business that uh, I was in Galveston with my uh, brother-in-law and sister and my mom and dad. They had gotten a beach house down there and I was kind of experiencing what it was like to work from the beach and we had just launched the business and thankfully we filled up my schedule um, pretty faster than I could have asked or imagined. It was just insane. And I, I had this recognition of like, oh, I wanted to do this thing called growth groups and I had a plan for it, but I don't know that we're going to be able to do that. And then, I mean, just a couple of weeks into the business, I had this harebrained idea on a run, which is either where the good ideas come from or the bad ideas come from. And so I was a little bit paranoid about it, but I was like, well, what if, what if you just asked Olivia to do it? Because you know she's competent in owning and leading a business. You and her have connected over the fact that your personality wiring is very similar. Like she could absolutely want to run one of these groups. And I was going back and forth on it. And then one day I was on a walk with my mom on the beach and she gave the business advice that she always gives is what's the worst that can happen. Like, I love it. I and love she's your mom, just that, Amy. <laughs> Amy. That is just her go-to thing. And she said that throughout my life. And it's like, you truly, it's like, well, I, I don't really know what the worst that could happen is because I know Olivia cares deeply about people. I know that her and I share the same principles and I think she would be a killer coach. And so it was after that conversation that I called you and, uh, and this was more confirmation that it was the right thing is you were like, oh my gosh, I'm so in. I was like, you don't want to think about it a little bit. No, um, never. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Olivia's husband has kind of has rules around how her and I can't make final decisions after talking to each other because <laughs> we'll start new businesses with every conversation. So, but I, I'd love for you just to describe to people what growth groups are. And then I'd love for us just to talk about some of the stories and things things like that that have come from this just because it's such a powerful, I mean, honestly, culture that we're creating within the Path for Growth membership. But tell them a little bit about what they are and why they exist, Olivia. Okay. But before I do that, I really just want to emphasize something that you did so well in that season is you didn't run uh, analysis of all the things that could go wrong. You you didn't let it just linger in your creative space. Like when ideas sit in our minds for so long, they take up space for other ideas. You just did it and it was scrappy and it wasn't perfect. And it doesn't have to be perfect to be a good product. And it doesn't have to be perfect to help people. And I would say it's a good product. It's gotten a lot better over the time, but it was a good product right off the bat and it helped people right off the bat. And so... I think that for anybody listening to this, if if you have an idea like that, that's taking up that brain space that you haven't acted on, you either need to decide I'm not doing it or you need to start it. And I think that that's something that you did just so well. Or you need um, to talk to Amy Judd and let her or ask you, need you the to talk question. To Amy Judd. Yeah. <laughs> let her ask you the question. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> Maybe that's what we also need to get tattooed. <laughs> what's the worst that can happen? That's okay, right. so what is growth groups? Uh, growth groups, I mean, it originated honestly from times that you, me, and Will have been just sat on our living room floor. Like we said, what? It <laughs> like, makes it sound like we sit on the floor a lot. <laughs> no, I think I think what I'm trying to make you guys visualize is like this comfortable, relaxed <laughs> environment where you don't have your pretenses up. You're just a group of friends. You're a board of advisors. You are like, these are your people. And so we said, we have this, like, 
this is the this is where we came when our business was in crisis to figure this out. Okay, we want to create that for other people. And so growth groups is this product that you are with other business owners and the idea is that you're getting community, you're getting perspective and you're getting accountability. And so that is done through us meeting on a consistent basis. So just like we were talking about the other day like making friends consistent basis. That's what our growth groups do. And so the idea is that you have this group of people who has your context, who understands you, who gets the ins and outs of your business, and you're able to come to them with life's greatest opportunities and life's greatest problems and just hash it out. And also you're able to say, here are my ideas. Here's what I'm committing to. And you have a group of people holding you accountable to it. So it's just this really awesome dynamic between yourself and probably five other business owners is the, is the, how most of the groups are laid out. Yeah. One of the things that's been fascinating to watch, and it's honestly been a great learning for me, there are some people that operate really, really well in this environment. And there are some mm-hmm. people that don't. And sometimes I look at the people that don't and I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I have more in common with them than the people that do. And But I really admire the people that do. I really look up to them and I really have a deep-seated respect for them. And so one of the things that I'd like you to talk about is the people that really do this well and therefore end up serving the most, but also receiving the most, what are either the things that they're doing or the qualities that they've built that make them into that type of person? Oh, okay. So again, when you ask these questions, like a handful of things come to mind. So right away, they're all in on the community piece. So some people, when they're looking for, uh, when they reach out to Path for Growth, they're actually really just needing, they're needing a coach, which you get in growth groups. But some people are like, I need a community. I need people to connect with who I can sit knee to knee with who get what I'm going through. And so I feel like the people who do growth groups really well are the people who are all in and don't mess around with the commitment there. The second thing that comes to mind is they are people who want others who are they're interested in the success of others as much as they're interested in the success of themselves. So just mm-hmm. like the Timothy and the Paul analogy that I gave earlier, it's like they're people who are looking for people to pour into and also have them pour into them. And then the third thing that comes to mind is they're all just really good at asking questions. Like I get in these groups and I'm like, man, the act of listening in here is amazing. And like you guys are picking up on such details. Uh, so I don't know if like that to me, I don't know if that answers your question, but those are just characteristics that when I'm in these groups, I'm like, these people are so gifted at those three things. And and I think it's fair to say, like, if number one, you need community, whether one of the communities that you are part of is a path for growth growth group or not is a, a decision for you, right? But like, you do need community. And so those three qualities, like a recognition that I need this, a decision to be curious, and then just an ability to like ask great questions and and serve other people well and just show up with the intent of serving people. It's like that that applies to any community, period. The the other thing that I would add that I would love for you to speak about, actually there's two, and I'd love for you to talk about both of them, is like one of the things that I have been challenged by in myself by many of our members, both one-on-one and growth group, 
is just the idea that the people who have been in business the longest, one of the things that I've recognized about them is that they are way more patient than I am. And it's not patient as in sometimes people use patient as a facade for lazy. It's not that at all. There were, there's some of the most productive and intentional people that I know, but it's that they know it's like they have this internal knowing that they don't have to hit a grand slam every single time. It's that they just have to make a deposit. And every group meeting or every call or every time they connect with someone, it, it, it doesn't have to be a grand slam. It's just a deposit because if you add enough deposits, then one day, maybe it's a year from now, maybe it's two years from now, maybe it's two weeks from now, you're going to have to make a withdrawal. And to your point earlier, it's like you don't want to be making that withdrawal from people that you've never made deposits into. And, and so can you speak to the value of patience in the process of building community? Yes, and I think that that is a really great thing to call out because a lot of the time when you're thinking about community, if it doesn't feel like you're great friends after a month, six weeks after, you almost want to give up on it. And I I actually wish we had some growth group members on this call on this uh, recording right now because they would all be jumping out of their seats to tell you this like answer this exact question because last summer we started our first growth group and we were in it for about five to six months. And it was good. It was a really good group. But it became great when someone experienced their first real crisis. And not that not that it has to become great to have, like a crisis doesn't have to happen for it to become great. We've had other groups where like a crisis hasn't happened and they're great groups, but this just comes to mind where there was a member in the group, they were talking and you could just tell that they're, they had a, a weight on their shoulders and the other members could see it too. And we kind of just paused and we said, Hey, well, what's going on? And they just kind of break down and they start telling us to us about how they're having this cancer scare and they're, they're waiting for a doctor to call. And the energy in the room just completely shifted from tactical to I'm here for you. And to this day, those members talk about that call all the time. They talk about how that was a turning point for them and how the man who was having having the scare, thankfully it ended up being okay, but he talks about how had he not had that group that day, he doesn't know what he would have done and how he's so thankful that he had people who kind of got it, who know what it's like to have a business riding on their shoulders and how they can't just disappear to be in the hospital, to be in chemo for however long, and to be a husband and have kids at home who are expecting food on the table. And if they're not in the office, then that's not going to be like all of the added extra stress that comes with being a business owner while life is happening to you. Like Mm. that's not an everyday thing. I think every business owner needs at least one other business owner in their lives who just gets things like that. And so I think that that's a really beautiful example of five to six months is a long time of deposit, deposit, deposit before making a withdrawal. And then to still be riding from that withdrawal, like feeling how precious that was now almost six months later. I mean, what a gift is that? Mm, That's right. Yeah, it takes time. And, and that doesn't mean that there's not value in those first five months, but the tone shifts. And, and that's one of the things I think that we're constantly looking at both in the one-on-one context and the growth group context is, 
you cannot manufacture trust, but I believe that you can accelerate it. And I believe that one of the ingredients that you can introduce in order to accelerate trust is intentionality. And so can you speak to some of the things that people can intentionally do and that we challenge our growth group members to do to intentionally accelerate the building of trust? So I think that after we saw that turn with the first group, we said, gosh, this is like the energy in this group is amazing. How do we get this but faster? Like exactly what you just said. And so so something that we've been really working on is people respond really well to vocalized expectations. And I think that this is true in any setting. So your family, your friends, any setting. And so in growth groups after that first one, we started saying out loud, guys, this is not just about tactical business. Like here here are the goals of this and getting people's buy-in at the very beginning. So we would identify what are the goals of the group. So the goals are you you have a place that you can come with any problems or opportunities. You also have a group of people who have your, you know, defining whatever it is for that particular group. And then we say, okay, here's the path to get there. We're all going to agree that right off the bat, we're going to search for context before we start like prescribing how you should fix something. So I think that one way to really break down walls with people, and again, this is outside of growth groups, this is outside of business, is to seek to understand before you say any advice is going to get you more intimately connected with someone faster. So that's the first thing. The second thing is encouraging vulnerability. So you are only going to create the type of atmosphere that you give to. So if you say that you want the type of place that's going to be vulnerable, that you can be more than your facade, then you have to step up to the plate and be brave that people are going to accept you. We say that out loud. And so I think just between the setting the expectations and giving the path to get there are the two ways that we've begun expediting the trust. And I, I think with, we are really getting there with growth groups a lot faster. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I watch the recordings on occasion um, just like uh, to provide you with feedback and to keep my thumb on the pulse of what's going on within the members of our community and things like that. And it's just like I am so I am so productively challenged by the way that these people live and act and by the way they speak to each other. Like, I'm like, man, I, I better stay on top of my game because they're <laughs> challenging me right now. But I was thinking about this the other day. I didn't share this with you. Um, I read something the other day about Ben Franklin, that one of the advice pieces of advice that Ben Franklin would give to people whenever they move somewhere or whenever they go somewhere new or something like that. He says, if you ever move somewhere, the first thing you should do is ask your neighbor for a really small favor. Maybe you hmm. need to maybe you need to get their help moving in a couch or maybe you need to get their help like cleaning off the garage floor or something or maybe you need to borrow a, a gallon of milk or something like that. Maybe not a full gallon, but maybe some milk or something like that. But he said because the minute you show yourself as someone that's needing help, you open the door for them to ask for 
for some later. And he said, then the bridge to connection is being built. And I was like, gosh, that's, that's so that's backwards, so right? Cause it's like, we show up and we're like, oh, I need to look like I've got my act together. I need to make sure that they know I'm all good and taken care of. And I don't want to be needy. And he's saying like, no, because they know they're needy. And their question is, are you needy? Because if you're needy, then you automatically have something in common. And I think that uh, that applies here is the people that really thrive are the people that have the guts, not just to say like, I'm going to show up and impress these people with my business, which some of their businesses are outrageously impressive, like incredibly impressive, but they show up saying like, I'm not paying to be a part of a group to impress these people. I'm paying (laughs) to be a part of a group to get help. And so I'm going to ask the questions about not just the things that are already great that we could make even better. I'm going to ask the questions about the things that are keeping me up at night and I'm going to be ruthlessly honest. And we have seen people that don't have the guts to go there and we have seen the people that do and there's a difference in terms of experience. Mm -hmm. 100%. Oh, I love that Ben Franklin. I think that we're friends with our neighbor. We're really good friends with our next door neighbor and I'm pretty sure we became friends because we asked him to move our mattress. <laughs> there you go. That's a- <laughs> you were following Ben's advice. That's so good. Um, yeah. So, a, a final thing I would ask you with regard to growth groups is what is the biggest thing that you think a community like that provides for people? I feel like the theme of this podcast has just been human connection. And human connection is something that reaps dividends for as much as you give into it, like you get so much out of it. And so it's almost like, just like we were talking about how friends breathe creative life into you, how you have friends who are there to help you when you're weathering a storm. Growth groups to me is everything we've talked about in this podcast. It just also provides all those people who are giving that are business owners. So they get you on a level that nobody else is going to get you. I mean, the number of times that I've asked our growth groups, I'm like, okay, you know, what is something like, what is the biggest thing that you get out of this? They're just like, I just love that I'm not alone. I love that for this 90 minutes that I show up for this call today, I know that everything that I'm going through, you guys get it. And I think that that get it factor is just so invaluable. Yeah, that's right. And I think the get it factor is a difference maker for me because I have been a part of groups before where it's like, oh, they're trying to fight loneliness and it just becomes this kumbaya circle that's like, uh, we never actually accomplish anything. We're just Mm kind of sitting around and chatting about our feelings and I get really frustrated about that. But one of the things about the get it factors, it's like we are going somewhere. And we would rather be on that journey, moving towards that aim or that goal or that vision. We're on that path. We would rather be on that path with great people than by ourselves. Yeah. And I also want to pause really quick because we're talking a lot about feelings and human connection. And I think that there's a great, like that is very important, but growth groups is super tactical. Like the way that we operate within these groups is they're in six month increments. And we just ended a six, six month period of time with one of the groups. And an exercise I had all the group members is I said, I want you to tell us who you were six months ago. And knowing what you know now, what would you tell that person? And one of our members, six months ago, they didn't have mission, vision, or core values. They were 
honestly lost control of their business. They said that they didn't want to get out of bed in the morning. They said that they felt so alone, depressed, deprived. They felt like their team was eating them alive. Like it was not a good situation. And now, oh my, like they've done a complete 180. And they say so much of the reason is because they had this group that was like their anchor every two weeks where deposit after deposit, like we're not trying to make huge changes over one week. Like we're trying to make 1% changes over the course of a long period of time. And after six months, 1% changes for that many days, you look back, you're like, I'm a radically different person. So this particular person, like their business has drastically changed. And so yes, this is all around like themes of human connection, but we do it in a very tactical way. Like we say, here's where you are, here's where you want to be. And then let's measure how that's gone over the course of six months. And it's just a really powerful That's right. And it's what you talked about with regard to building connections just with friends. It's like, don't just sit around and just chat, do something. And and the thing that we can do is like, it may not be a gingerbread house or a vacation to Cancun, but we can build our individual businesses together and be invested in those together. And so uh, I love that. That goes back to something you asked at the beginning of this conversation, where it was like, what do you look for in friends? Okay, I have no patience for people who say they're going to do something. And then three years later, they still haven't done it. And neither (laughs) do people in growth groups. Like they have no patience for it. Like if you say you're going to do something and you show up and you haven't done it, like you're going to hear about (laughs) Well, they call each other out. It's like, there's times where I'm like, man, I'm glad this is virtual. This is getting a little dicey. This is getting intense. I, uh, yeah. And and I mean, uh, uh, we could just, this is like an episode of Seinfeld, which I know you'll get this reference where the end always ties back to the very beginning, right? It's like the whole loop. (laughs) And I wish we had planned it that way, but we're just rolling with it. Yeah, it's it's Seinfeld. (laughs) I freaking love it. Uh, One of the other things you said, though, that made me think of a growth group recording that I've watched, or I think you told me about this growth group and it was just one of these moments for me where I got chills because I was like, oh my God, it's working, it's happening, is someone was talking about an issue or a challenge and I think one of the members in the group said, okay, but remember, we're talking about healthy growth here and yes. we're not talking about just growth for the <laughs> sake of growth. And and it was like, it wasn't even you that said it. And it was like, oh my gosh, these people share the same values. They are part of this mindset that growth for the sake of growth is dead and that we are pursuing healthy growth and we know that growth and health aren't the same thing and therefore both aren't guaranteed, but they are possible. And it's like to see that community being built, it's one of my favorite things that's going on in the membership right now. Mm -hmm. And so number one, the work that you've done to facilitate and lead that is just incredible. Before we ask the final question, I want you to tell a little bit about the next growth group that you're starting. And uh, they can obviously click the link in the show notes for all of the information on that. And then also about how they can connect with you and follow you. And we haven't gotten to talk about all your gardening journeys and your pictures of Noah, who's your son and all of that, but where they can follow all of that and keep up with all of that. Yeah. Well, if you want to stay a couple minutes long so we can talk about gardening, I'm here for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So we're starting new growth groups in November. So signups are happening right now. And we are very particular about who gets to be a part of growth groups because they only work if if you're committed. So what ends up happening is if you're interested in being a part of a growth group, then we, you and I, like you listening, signing up are going to talk to me and we're going to talk about like, what are your, what are your goals? Why do you want to be a part of a group? And I'm actually going to hand place you in a group that I think would be a good fit for you if this product is a good fit for you. So that's, that's kind of the process here. As far as how to do that, I believe you said that in the show notes, they'll have a link to sign up. 
Perfect. And so what will happen is my calendar will be in that link and you would sign up for a time to talk to me directly. We get all your questions answered and just, again, see if this is a good fit for you, a good fit for the product as well. That's right. And what we have seen um, or who we have seen thrive in this in this part of the Path for Growth membership is either business owners who are actively leading team members and building their business, or we have seen lots of team leaders that mm-hmm. are either operating in the integrator role, if you want to use rocket fuel language or playing the role of COO or manager that have decision-making power that a owner or CEO is trying to raise up to operate and act like an owner. And that's a really big distinguishing factor. They can't just be a person that is managing things that have already been created. This has to be a person that is actively creating and optimized. But we've seen a lot of people um, from that level of an org chart sign up and just have outrageous success as well. So if you want more information on that, and if you would like to schedule one of those calls, you can click the link that's in the show notes. Oh, and then how can they follow you? What, what's your Instagram handle and all of that? If there's any, I keep telling Olivia she needs to get on LinkedIn because we need this content <laughs> on LinkedIn. So maybe this will be know. enough pressure. <laughs> maybe. Okay. So if you want to follow me for all things gardening and Noah, then at olivia.e.gram. So that's my personal. But then if you want to follow anything business related, so the bride plan at the bride plan is um, where most things are going to be happening here soon because all of them Birch is about to be done. But if you want to follow Olive and Birch, which is again our event design company here in Nashville, it's olive.and.birch. So that's on Instagram. I guess I need to go get myself on LinkedIn because that's where most of our people play anyways. <laughs> that's right. And and we'll put all the links to those handles in the show notes of this episode. Uh, if you're a story brand fan, you need to go visit thebrideplan.com because mm-hmm. Will and Olivia both collaborate on this a lot, but Will actually spent a lot of time building out the website and they have done such a wonderful job. Like I, I, I'm, I'm not planning a wedding right now and I almost signed up because they did such a good job of hooking me in. I was like, oh my God, it's such a good website. So definitely go check that out. Okay, final question for you. Uh, As I was kind of preparing for this conversation, Olivia, number one, you're someone that I've thought of as just a close friend, someone that I respect, someone that I'm grateful for, someone that I admire for a long time. And now to, to have you as a part of our team is just... I mean, it's like, why? How on earth do we get to do this? This should not be this fun, right? It's just too. So it's just so cool that we get to do this, right? But one of the things that stood out is we use the phrase "we help impact-driven leaders practice healthy growth" a lot on this podcast and on Worth It Wednesday, and um, certainly in all of our content within the membership. And I just realized as I was kind of jotting down notes for this conversation, I was like, oh my gosh, Olivia was doing that way before this organization existed, right? Like, and you are just someone that I look to as like, I am so inspired by you because you and Will have made the decision to practice healthy growth. And so I'd love to leave people with something really practical, but also something inspiring and encouraging. So what I'd like for you to do is to give people three actions that they can take to start practicing healthy growth. And I know I'm putting you on the spot here, so I'll give you a little bit of time to think about it. Three actions that they can take to start practicing personal growth in their life, business, and leadership. And then after that, I want you to give them the challenge or the encouragement that they need to be able to do it. So three actions and the challenge or encouragement that's needed to be able to do it. Ready, go. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, let me 
Let me jot down some things. We can edit this part out. Yeah. Okay. No, we're not going to edit it now. I'm just going <laughs> to I'm going to leave this spot in. I love it. Oh Lord, yes. Yeah. See, this is what we're talking about. You don't have to be polished and perfect to help people and to get started. So yeah, that, don't edit it out. That's right. We're real rugged and rare. Rugged there is one go. of our brand tones. We're intentionally unpolished. <laughs> okay. The first thing I would t- and and I hope that this doesn't sound intimidating because make this as simple as as it needs to be for you, but I really think that to start practicing healthy growth, you need to understand where you want to grow. And I think that a lot of the time we start adding all these new habits into our lives and we eventually get bored of them or burnt out of them or whatever it is. So the first thing I would tell people is, I said this earlier, you need to define what you want your life to look like. And how I have done this is I literally take out a piece of paper I write down what are all of my roles. So that can be as many or as few as you want. So for me, that is I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a friend, I'm a business owner, I'm a team member, I'm a neighbor, and I'm a community member, and I'm an individual. So those are my eight. And I write down what does winning look like for me in those eight different categories. And then from there, I I create habits and rhythms based off of the type of person that I want to be. So I say, if you haven't done that, then that's where you need to start. The second thing, and this is relatively new to me, I want you to hear that, is I went through this season pretty recently where I owned a business and I was trying to get another business off the ground and I was a team member with Path for Growth. And I was trying to be a great, I was trying to do all of the things really well. And I felt so overwhelmed. And healthy growth doesn't mean you're growing in all areas all at the exact same time. It means that you're doing it at a manageable, consistent pace, right? And so I said, okay, I know what I want my life to look like, but right now I don't have control over anything. So I need to control one thing. If I could control one thing, what would then be a domino effect helping everything else. So I identified that I need to be having a really crystal clear morning routine, which I know is kind of like the thing that everybody says. So it doesn't even have to be morning routine. I would just say, start with one thing, one thing that you're going to do really well, one thing that you're going to pour into before you pour into anything else. It can be your morning routine. It can be your weekly date night with your husband or wife. It could be flossing, whatever it is. Just pick one thing to be really good at. And then the third thing is I would say you have to be pouring truth into your life on a daily basis. And so, again, I think that this goes back to who you are, why you're here. You've defined that for yourself. But I think that the world has a really kind of crummy way of getting you off that path. And so whether for me, that looks like reading the Bible And I've also recently written a personal mission statement that I read once a day. And so for me, those are my truths. So I would say building in a way to get truth into your life on a daily basis. So those would be the three things. And after you do those three things, I think all of the habits and tactical things are a lot easier to do. I love that. So define what you want, initiate with one morning routine or habit, something small, and then just pour truth into your life. 
and make sure it's not just a truth that comforts you. Make sure it's a truth that convicts you um, and challenges you, right? And pushes you to be the person that you were created to be. Okay, now give us the challenge or the encouragement to do that because those three things are hard work. <laughs> you just, <laughs> I was like, oh, she's going to give us a couple easy things. It's like, no, you you went for it, <laughs> which I shouldn't expect yeah. anything different. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Okay. So the encouragement that I received years ago that I still fall back on on my hardest days is the goal is just 1% each day. So like sometimes I'm friends with you, Alex, and you can memorize 30 principles in a sitting and you run five miles every day in January and you've written a book and it's just like, oh my gosh, being friends with you is sometimes really hard because I'm comparing myself. And I think the thing that you need to remember is run your race, do what you like, stay in your lane. So part of that is defining what your lane is, which we just talked about, and then commit to 1% every day. And I think that if you do that, you look up in five years, oh my gosh, like that kind of change is life-changing versus I'm going to floss every single day for 30 days and then I'm never going to brush my teeth again for the rest of my life. Like that doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) So run your race is what I'm speaking to you. And know that no one else's pace matters. It's just yours. And all that matters is that you get 1% better at whatever increment you want to. Like I think every day, but for you, if that's every week, then that's awesome. Just define what that is for you and don't waver from that. It's my two cents there. There you go. That's way more than two cents. Uh, Olivia, thanks so much for your time, for your energy, for your investment in this conversation. But I think more than that, thank you for your example. Like, thank you for being someone that chooses to align your life with uh, the type of things that you talk about on here because I benefit from it and so many other people benefit from it. And I think that's just such an example of what we say all the time at the end of this podcast, which is that strength is for service. So thanks so much. Thanks, Alex. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on here. Well, goodness. I was thinking about how I could sum up that conversation with one word. And the word that I landed on is kind of the word that I I land on any time I get to spend with Olivia. It's the word rich. I just am so appreciative of how authentic she is, of how genuine she is, and how committed to growth and forward motion she is. And it's so cool how because she is operating from a posture of practicing healthy growth, um, the overflow is now feeding into the lives of other impact-driven leaders. And we're so excited about the fact that we are now opening up another growth group. And seriously, if you are a leader that is at a decision-making level in your business, so you're either um, kind of at a management level or you're the owner of the business, We would love to talk to you about being a part of the next growth group that we're launching. Again, the biggest thing that we provide within Path for Growth Coaching is the opportunity to apply Path for Growth principles in the context of a life-giving relationship. And so what does that relationship look like? Well, that relationship looks like accountability, number one, did you do what you said you would do? And then perspective, number two, getting other people to look at your problems, your challenges, your opportunities, your business, your life from different angles. 
And then direction, number three, we, we believe that leadership is taking people from here to there. And so we want to take you somewhere over the course of every call, over the course of every meeting, over the course of every conversation and everything we do, we want to say we're going somewhere. And so it's accountability, it's perspective, and it's direction. This community has just become one of the great joys of uh, my life right now, honestly. I, I just love the people that are part of what we're doing. I love the just collaboration amongst impact-driven leaders that people like Olivia and Kelly and Zach and, and the rest of our team is creating. And if you are an impact-driven leader, we would love for you to be a part of that. And a growth group is a great option. So we'll put the link to uh, the form that you can fill out to chat with Olivia in the show notes of this episode. I know she'd love to talk to you, hear about your business, ask you a bunch of questions and see if it's a good fit. So, hey, before we close out today, you probably know we send out an email every single week called Worth It Wednesday. We believe that most email isn't worth it because I freaking hate email. But we said that if we're going to have an email, we want to send out one that is worth it, worth your time, worth your energy, worth your presence. So every Wednesday, we send out a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking and so many of you are part of that growing tribe of people that is receiving these emails, but then acting upon them. And that's just so encouraging to me as the person that writes them. So if you haven't yet signed up for it, we'll put the link to that in the show notes. It's worth it Wednesday. Y'all remember, we're rooting for you. We want to see you win. My strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.